Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. And happy Friday, by the way. An interesting roller coaster type of week that we have been on. Um, some kind of scratching your head wondering what is going on, for example, in this wheat complex and the struggle bus that they continue on. Soybeans, of course, started to put some green on the screen today. Corn, not so much. And if you look over at the livestock side, it's nice to see, except for the nearbys for most, to see some good positive numbers happening in our livestock trade. We're going to take a look at what's going on in the outside market in influences as well on the trade with PJ Conrad, PJ, of course, with Trade Us. And, and let's start out looking at this corn market on the week. I mean, we're dealing with another day of, of negative numbers. Yeah, uh, today's really a kick to the teeth, too. I mean, nearby is what, down 10, 11, uh, 13, and just been a, a bad week by and large. And, and really, you look across the entire commodity sector, we haven't had a really a week to uh, look back on or hope for. And the interesting thing, you know, usually we get between um, Chris or Thanksgiving and Christmas, and it's relatively quiet trade, you know, and mostly to the up. Eleven out of the last fifteen years, we've traded twenty-two cents higher on average. So, uh, the years we've been down, though, it's been by average of seventeen, and we've taken that and some of that already down about twenty-three or four on the week here. Um, where we go from here on corn is kind of an interesting question. You know, exports have been very poor to this point uh, in the marketing year, and I, I don't think that should come into a surprise to anybody. Um, and then you look at what could happen with the ethanol situation where it's been so hand-to-mouth. If ethanol doesn't get some good profitability for Jan Feb, do they really pull things back instead of buying, you know, what would be close to $7 corn at most places still currently? So there's a lot of things kind of weighing heavy on the markets, in all honesty. I don't like seeing pullbacks, but uh, at the same time, if it can spark some ethanol demand and things don't stay down forever, I don't think we're in a massive uh, necessarily change yet. I think we're going to have to have more confirmation of what the U.S. growing season kind of looks like, and we're a long ways away from that, obviously. So the problem is, though, when you get a big falling market like this, you break some major moving averages, and then you get technical selling uh, to, to pile in on top. You know, the question, do we fall to our uh, $6? $6.30 kind of lends itself to some really good support. I would think you'd find some uh, end user buying there, trying to get at least that side kind of tackled down. Uh, but to say we couldn't forge down in that 615 area or lower, uh, anything's a possibility. And I think this week, uh, if anything, and, and I, like I said, I don't like down markets, but uh, it's a good reminder that, we don't have to stay at any given level just because maybe we're tight cropped or maybe it's dry in Brazil or et cetera, et cetera. The market does what it's going to do, and you got to be in a risk-managed position to keep yourself uh, happy to the ups and also – uh, comfortable when it is down like this uh, on a week like this too. So as as you look at um, and you, you talked a little bit about ethanol, did the markets react this week as you thought they should have when when the news came out in regards to the RFS? You know that's I didn't think it'd be as drastic as we are, and I just say that because a lot of that's projection type stuff, and I always think show me truth and not projection. You know, it's one of those deals that we can talk about what could happen or what might happen and not what actually is going to happen. I think that that's frustrating. Uh, the problem is, though, when you do get these knee jerks like that and how the market reacted, uh, I go back to what I said before, you break some technical support, and then then we're in a different ballgame. We're not trading you know, all of that. We're trading technicals then at that point. So that's how the – I guess it, on one hand, it's a good week to – 
you know, if you're a novice uh, trader or wondering, you know, how technicals and fundamentals work together, this would be a good, good example. We went down on that news, and and now we're going to push it even lower on the back of technical selling. And you know, funds are still were long Monday when the accounts report went 170,000 contracts of corn, which is about oh 100 to 150 less than the last two years for the same week. So. On one hand, you can say, yes, they have more room to buy and could push this thing higher, but they also traditionally can kind of even things up going into the first year or at least lighten their load. And that would be a fearful situation if they decide to keep piling out of it. But I do think you'll see some end-user buying get at least some of this perceived cheaper corn kind of locked up, and then uh, markets will go from there. But South America is such a beast anymore, and they got good rains in, in Brazil. And I saw a good post just to bring things full circle of Argentina. Yes, it's dry, and it's a problem, uh, but it is not uh, – currently, it's like mid to late May there. So if we're dry in mid to late May, yes, it is a concern, but is it a problem? No, it's not a problem yet. And I know that's something we'll be closely watching as to what happens with their weather. Um, when we come back, I want to talk more about the about the soybean trade. But I did see a, a notification that came in that the president, um, it was some quick uh, congressional passage, actually signed a letter today, legislation, imposing an agreement to avert a major rail strike. So having said that, does the market relax a little bit or think, yeah, we've done this before. We'll see what really happens. Uh yeah, that is a great question, Susan. I think I really think the market's going to probably be see what happens at this point. I mean, you can say Biden's going to get this done, that done. But we had that done two months ago, and now we're back to the drawing table. And he's supposed to be big on unions. Uh, is this going to be going to make things work for everybody? I think is the ultimate question. And it's definitely. I mean, we've had a market that's been pretty nervous about being able to keep this going. Because I can't imagine with a railroad strike what that would mean for our export opportunities. Uh, it'd be it'd be horrible, Susan. I think they said what a billion dollars a day we would lose uh, if the rail were to shut down. And again, I go back to what happened with the river when it stopped and we couldn't get things back or get things down the river. That's just a stoppage. You're not going to get those exports back. It's not right. like we can make up more time. And the same thing for. Uh, the rail, it, lost time is lost time. You're not going to get it back. So it would be detrimental to export. To be- All right. Well, folks, stick around. We do have a lot more coming up in just a moment. We'll talk some happenings on the soybean market and a lot more. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. With 85 years of serving Nebraska farmers, Fontenelle Hybrids is still committed to helping you meet the challenges in every field. In farmer-managed trials over the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a 9-bushel per acre yield advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. That's a 75% win rate. No wonder Fontenelle is called the best-kept secret in the Cornhusker State. Contact your local Fontenelle dealer to see what all the fuss is about. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and com. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we're continuing our conversation this afternoon with PJ Conrad. PJ, of course, with Trados. So this soybean market, there's been some frustration with this trade. Then we see a Friday come along and they push back into some green. But overall, looking at this trade, what's been your thought this week? 
You know, ironically, Susan, we didn't uh, move a whole lot th- this week. For as big as uh, the down Thursday we had, we bounced back Friday, and, and we had a strong start to the week, too. Um, you know, Beans, I, I called a lot of guys early this week, say, and I'm not saying we all sold Beans, but, we, you know, just get on the stick to sell some because with everything going on in South America and, and like I said, Brazil being the – by and large, you know, whatever, two-thirds roughly of their production in, in South American beans and them getting rain, you kind of wonder at what point the other shoe was going to fall. You know, I guess on the positive side is our our crush demand in the interior U.S. domestically is, is very strong. I don't see that going away. I guess it was strong before uh, soy oil got absolutely crushed this week, so we'll see how that all shakes out. But, I mean, by and large... I'm probably more bearish beans. I mean, I, it's hard to st- say we're going to sit here at 1450, 1445 type beans for much longer without a, a real issue in South America. Um, and it doesn't seem like we have one now. Like I said, maybe this Argentina thing does play out and we have one. But right, the way things sit today, it's hard to, to draw up a $15, $16 bean deal. Um, you know, earlier in the week, you know, just to flip things, I was probably more optimistic corn just because it had been so resilient. But again, I just go back to it seems like the the worm has turned this week, and we'll see if it goes into next week of just kind of a people want to sit on the sidelines or be sellers rather than buyers. And it's a slower time of year. I mean, volumes are definitely off, so there's some of that too. Maybe a lighter trade is, is pushing this down further than it needs to. So, what's going on then with? What we're seeing within this wheat complex? Oh man, wheat is not uh, not a good day to be a wheat uh, wheat farmer, or a good week to be a wheat farmer. And uh, you know, worldwide, uh, it's an issue, right? Uh, we just have too much worldwide to really get excited. I mean, internally, we got some of the worst wheat rate winter wheat ratings we could ever ask for, and so that's a problem in and of itself. You know, we're kind of fighting that side of. The world has enough wheat to survive, but uh, domestically, we're overpriced, but probably rightfully so, because we are in such bad shape here. I mean, what they say, uh, over 30%. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, so if somebody does, I apologize. But I want to say in a snapshot, you know, kind of your major winter wheat growing areas had over 25%, uh, you know, poor to very poor, under 25% uh, good to excellent type ratings. And it's going to take a good uh, – some rains and snow, and I don't know if that can come fast enough. I know there's a lot of talk of us switching back to uh, uh, um, switching back to – oh, I lost my train of thought, Susan. That's all right. We know what you're talking about. We – We'll jump. Yeah. We'll jump over to to the livestock side. This wheat complex has been one that's like many folks scratching their head. Uh, let's go over to the livestock side. Um, the hogs. Um, the price range that we saw this week. Are, are you pretty happy with what those numbers have been? Yeah, I think uh, hogs obviously good, and I think cattle too, although not great. Uh, we got some good positivity there. I think when you look forward. There's a lot of, there can be some very good prices. You know, I, I really am optimistic about the meat sector. Uh, the, the interesting thing with hogs, I was out in Iowa this week talking to quite a few people, and they have really uh, upped their herd. You know, there's a lot of guys that said, you know, maybe they had two or three barns empty, and now they're full again. So 
that production come a little faster where cattle we're going to fight the other side where we're really calling herds and, and the numbers are going to shrink quite a bit as we go into late 2023 i think a good tool that maybe a lot of livestock producers don't know about uh, is lrp and it's essentially like a multi-parallel that you have on your crop insurance uh, on your crops but it would be that for your cattle and it's like buying a put option but uh, there's a, a portion of that that's federally subsidized and so a, a little cheaper and more economical so I, I really have been trying to work with cattle guys and say hey let's at least put a floor on things but we could see some crazy values no surprise, though, that the North has been kind of holding out for some higher cash sales where the South kind of started closing their doors Wednesday afternoon. Yes. I mean, I do think waiting out, uh, it makes sense to. I mean, you know, obviously, just like you said, close their doors, hold out. I, there's going to be better values to be had in the short term. Uh, it's just waiting and, and picking your right spot. All right. Lots of great things we talked about today. PJ, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Uh, you can give me a call at 402-858-7529 or hit us on any social media platform at Trados LLC. And the farm show next week. Yes, we'll be at the uh, Power Farming Show next week. Uh, and we're also doing a happy hour at uh, Watering Hole just south of the farm show starting at three on tuesday and wednesday so swing by all right that's today's fontanelle final bell brought to you by fontanelle hybrids and all your local dealers on the rural radio network